Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. This week, I would like to welcome Finland, Hong Kong, and Colombia to our list of the 30 plus countries listening from around the world. Welcome, and I just love that the word keeps on spreading. Well, today my guest is Jeremy Verahab. Jeremy is a designer, a strategist, a consultant for Territory Global, and he uses human-centered design and expert facilitation to help leaders and their teams tap into their innate brilliance in order to solve fuzzy problems. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. Thanks, Natalie. It's a real pleasure to be here. Well, Jeremy, you're a gifted strategist. And as a matter of fact, every time we work together, I feel like I learned so much from you when we work side by side. But it actually surprised me when we were talking about this podcast and you said you wanted to talk about being a generalist. So for all my generalists out there, I believe this episode is for you. As we talk about, you know, being a generalist in, in your career, I would love to, to just understand first and foremost, how do you define that? What makes you a generalist? I think a generalist is first and foremost, someone who's innately interested in the world. Someone who finds everything about the universe, the people in it, and the things in it just it, it deeply and innately fascinating. And because of that, a generalist is someone who is constantly, never-endingly learning, just wanting to, to discover and find out new things. And, you know, that creates a set of problems, too. But, you know, it's kind of a natural way of being for me. Yeah, I love that because it, it really leans into this idea of being curious. And curiosity, I think, can open a lot of different doors for you in your career because uh, you just want to know what's behind the other side of that door. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why I went from leading product for years to all of a sudden leading sales because I was just curious, like, what's behind that door? What would that look like? Uh, Do you find that's been true in your career as well? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've had a lot of jobs in in my (laughs) lifetime. There's a kind of a natural path that you can see if you look at them across time. But, you know, as as they were happening, as I was moving from one place to another, you, they didn't necessarily always connect. But, you know, there there is there was a connection between them. And and I, I think you're exactly right that what I found was if I just would get curious about a thing and then I would want to learn as much as I could about it and then an opportunity would open up and I'd get a chance to express that new knowledge or new experience. It opened a lot of doors for me, for sure. One of the things that's going through my mind is, because I'm similar to you, I, I really like to explore what's behind doors. There's probably a lot of pros to that, just in always learning, always growing, always being curious. But would you say there's some cons to ending up behind some of the doors you you land behind? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, for sure. I, that's absolutely, that's true. I would say that there's cons just to being a generalist altogether. And the biggest ones for me are, that you very often have a lack of a central burning purpose. I have a niece who is in high school now who has known for most of her life that she's going to be a cancer doctor. And she's been dedicated to working on cancer and trying to find ways to heal people who have cancer and trying trying to find cures to cancer since she was really, really young. And so for her, it's there's been this incredibly clear path. And it's affected the way she's thought about what, she, what classes she takes in high school. It's affected what she thinks about internships. and. I look at that and I'm a little bit envious of that clarity that she's had about what she wants to do and be. And I was never like that. I was I was the kind of person who was just always like, there's just so much interesting stuff in the world to learn. You're right that there are a lot of pros to that, but it also is a, you can find yourself, particularly in your early career, 
if you're a generalist, you can find yourself kind of loose and fluid and not quite sure about where you're supposed to go. And sometimes I think that that can feel to a generalist like something's wrong with you, like you're just not as good as everybody else. And I think that that in the wrong business context, that can also feel that way to people that you work with. They can look at yeah. you and think, you know, who's this person and why are they here? We all have this incredible deep knowledge about this thing that we're working on and this person doesn't know anything about it at all. Um, and that's a real challenge. And then the other thing I would say is that a lot of generalists have uh, what I would call shiny object syndrome, <laughs> which I'm sure you've experienced in yeah. your life. That can be a real problem. As I've gotten older, I've learned how important it is to plan for outcomes. I mean, this is the work that we do every day, to think about the end that you're trying to reach, to be clear about what that is, to get everyone on board with what it is, and then to work hard in that direction. And part of the reason why that is so important to me is because I'm, I'm not good at it unless I, unless I really concentrate on doing it well. I'm, I'm, because I just, again, you know, I'll be in the middle of one thing and then something else interesting comes along. And there's a real danger to any generalist in that sense, for sure. I think that's accurate. You know, it's funny as you were you're talking about that. I think that there's some natural tendencies when you are a generalist and you're approaching a problem where I feel personally that you're able to think outside the box a little bit because something that happens when you go into these different industries. So I think about the fact that I ran product development, but then I also ran a PMO where I went out and got my PMP. And so there's these different ways that I feel like I can solve a problem where I can either approach it like in a creative sense and use maybe agile thinking, but then I can also use like a very structured project management approach to things. And so, um, which maybe to some people can feel a little bit like all over the place, but talk about like, how has that affected your career and how you approach problems? I think you're spot on. The, a generalist Again, this improves over time, but a generalist walks into a room and has a really, really sizable tool belt. The other analogy that I would use is that you have a quiver that's full of arrows of all different kinds. And because a generalist is is always looking for connections and things, is always interested in the way that things work, is always interested, um, fascinated by the universe around them, it becomes easier and easier to take an idea that you heard on a podcast or that you read in a book or that you that you saw even on a television show or that from or a conversation you had with a friend and apply it in a in an interesting and unique way to a problem that you're trying to solve in in a room with people in the moment and it really can be a superpower and i think you know the the truth is that generalists i mean you said earlier that that i'm such a thank you for saying this by the way that i'm such a good strategist and why would i want to talk about being a generalist but i would argue that actually strat good strategists are by nature generalists, which I think you probably agree with. Yeah. Because strategy is a, is about understanding a, a problem and a situation, and in particular, the people in that problem and situation, and starting to think about what's motivating them, what, what's, the, what's the heart of the matter, what's the question behind the question, what's the deepest sort of root of what's going on in this situation. A generalist mind and a generalist experience allows you to, to kind of find all kinds of ways to think about that problem, to look at it from all the kinds of different angles. And, and that usually can help lead to a solution or at least lead to the right questions to ask to get to a solution. Okay. So that question that pops into my mind next is, does being a generalist ever give you like imposter syndrome? Because I know it does for me. Because I have been in so many different fields, but haven't gone deep <laughs> necessarily, I've probably gone deepest in the product development field because I was in that field for years. But like when I'm in a new field and I've never done said thing before, 
there's this little thing that pops up and it, you, you kind of leaned into it a little bit earlier because like there's all these specialists in the room, right? So they're like, oh, I've done this for 20 years. I've done this for 15 years. And you're like, I just got here. So like, how do you quell that, that like imposter syndrome that tells you like, hey, you probably shouldn't be at this table or you shouldn't be at the room. And I'm wondering that because I feel like a lot of people probably face the same thing if they're a generalist. How do you push past that? Yeah, push past. That's a great way to describe what I think that you have to do because it's almost impossible to avoid that feeling in that context, in that moment. I think there's a couple of things. One of them is for sure, you should remember that your generalism is an asset in that moment and that specialists tend to very often wear a kind of blinders and think about things in a particular way. And you know that old saying, you know, if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. That That's an applicable way of thinking about this, that specialists are, can be, they're not always, but can be sort of, sort of single-minded. And so yeah, I think you have to lean into what your particular gifts are and what you bring to the, to the, to the room. I think the other thing that I would say is we have to be honest with ourselves about and with the people that we work with about what our particular gifts are and skills. And you've heard me say this, you know, uh, probably a hundred times in the room with people that we're working with. When I go in, into a room to facilitate a thing, I'm almost always going to start first by saying, I don't know a lot about the thing that, that, you, that you're dealing with. That's why you all are here. You're the experts. Yeah. What I'm expert at is helping you ask the right questions and building a framework to get to the right solution. And you know, that expertise, I don't feel a lot of imposter syndrome about, although even that, because that's, I think imposter syndrome is a human, <laughs> is, a, is a human condition. Yeah, I think you push past it by being honest with yourself, but also by leaning into your particular gifts. Mm. That's really important what you just said, like leaning into your your gifts. And so I think what is important about a generalist is to take assessment of what your gifts are. I mean, I think just thinking over the years of the different experiences I've had, one of the reasons, like I think it was in 2015 that I hired an executive coach was to actually help me start to articulate what those things were. Because I went from product development to project management and I couldn't really articulate why I had even made that move, <laughs> much less, you know, how to articulate back to somebody what I wanted to do next. And I think like one of the journeys that I went on was being able to say what I was good at. And I think as a generalist, that's really important. I couldn't agree more. That's really wise. I think anyone in leadership should go out and get an executive coach, by the way. I think it's just a someone to talk to about the work that you do and, and who you are in that work uh, is really important. And I think people don't realize how much an executive coach can be, not a counselor, but they're very rarely going to talk about all kinds of deep strategy things and more often going to talk about you and who you are and what you do. Yeah. Let me yes and you and add another component to that. Let me just describe a way that I think that process of learning your gifts probably should work. I think in, 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 along with doing a self-assessment, it's also worth going out to the people that you know and work with who love you and asking them, what are the, what are the gifts that I have? What are the things that when I come into the room and, and start working with you that you just you admire or you lean into or you can't wait to have in the room? We need Jeremy here because he's so good at X. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think another problem that generalists tend to have, but maybe this is true about everyone, is that we, we don't recognize our value because it feels natural to us. Wow. So we, we go, well, that's easy. I mean, I, the, the way that I'm thinking about this feels easy to me. So this can't possibly have any value. And the truth is, if the thing that you're doing feels easy to you, but it's not easy to everybody else, that's an incredibly valuable thing. And 
so it's uh, it's important to seek feedback to go out and get get some echoes of who you are from the people around you again that you trust that you love and that love you and who are wise because they will i think hopefully help increase your sense of what's what's right and what i found is now that i'm in my my mid to late 40s I'm I'm so happy in my work most of the time because I'm the stuff that I do feels easy to me. It's tiring. It's not it's it it's challenging, but it's but it also feels so natural. It's like it's like putting on an old shirt. It took me a long time to recognize that that those things that I'm good at had a deep and innate value in almost any context. And that gave me confidence to walk into a room with with a bunch of people wearing suits who were, you know, super powerful business people and know that I had something to bring to the conversation. Well, I think what you're saying is so impactful when we talk about taking an assessment of what we're naturally good at and how important it is to do that work for yourself. And so for our listeners, I want to encourage you, if you don't get anything else out of what we're saying, take some time to like naturally understand what you're good at. Because I think there's such a, you said it's a gift, right? Like understanding the thing that you're good at and gifted at and how you show up in the world and how important that is. And so if it seems common to you, that doesn't mean it's common. It just means it comes naturally to you. And I love that you said that because I think that a lot of us don't realize that those are giftings. We just do it (laughs) and don't ever assess how important it is to the world. That's right. Yeah. That's absolutely right. All right, so let's talk about let's let's dig in on these specialists just for a second cuz I you know, I was a specialist for a number of years, probably about 10 10 years or so, and I know that when I think about the way that I approach problems during that season, I could definitely fall into some traps, you know? I I definitely fell into some places where I could be fooled by my own knowledge. Let's talk about that for a second and and how do specialists how can we sometimes show up when we don't take assessment that there's maybe multiple different ways to solve a problem. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a very insightful question. I want to say first, before I start talking about specialists and some of the challenges with them is that I love specialists. When I walk into a room with a whole bunch of people who know way more than I do about a problem we're trying to solve, I couldn't be happier. Despite the fact that there are always going to be challenges coming from that. There's so many advantages to having people who are just deep experts. My first big job out of college. Uh, well, my first big job out of college was being an administrative assistant at a housing company. But then I taught myself how to uh, write HTML and to code. And I ended up being hired as a university webmaster, which is, I don't know how, it was a miracle. <laughs> Way back in the early days, like 1997, 1998. I remember uh, one of the you know, I was just a bright eyed kid. And I was learning so much about the world around me. And I remember one of the challenges that I had was there had been no one building websites for this university ever. And so every professor had sort of found their own way to build web stuff. And when I came, there was a lot of resistance to me centralizing a lot of the work that, w- that, that was going on to, to sort of simple centralizing and templatizing and, and creating a, a, a kind of a voice and a common look and feel to this website. And I remember sitting with one of the professors who had done a lot of this work. And he said to me, you know, when you first arrived, I didn't trust you because I had owned this for so long and because I felt like I knew it. And then when you showed me what you were doing, I recognized the value of your knowledge and experience and that you knew better than I did. And I thought, this isn't my field of expertise. And I, and I backed off. And, I, and, and what happened was so wonderful because of that. And the point that I want to lean into there is that specialists, unfortunately, because they've worked so hard to become specialists in one thing, very often think of themselves as brilliant at 
everything. <laughs> and I would say that that probably the first thing that uh, that a that a specialist should do when they walk into them is the same that a generalist should do. Have a good assessment of what you're good at, what your skills are, what your knowledge is in that in that context. Be generous and thoughtful and creative. Don't hide your ideas, but don't assume that just because you're good at teaching physics that you're going to know how to build websites. <laughs> Well, and I feel like what you're saying too is like, it's freeing to not be good at everything. Oh gosh, yes. It's just, it's freeing, you know, because we, when you take assessment of what you're good at, it's also an assessment of what you're not good at. And I think acknowledging that early and bringing in someone who is good in those areas um, is so important. I think that's part of the reason why territory gets brought into a lot of these different rooms is because facilitation and curiosity and digging down to the root and uncovering and, un you know, and surfacing the real issue is what we're good at. And so I just think that that's really powerful as we think about that assessment. It's a freeing assessment to say, hey, I, I shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, but here's what I can do. And here's what I should do for you. And here's what I shouldn't. Right. Um, so I think that's really cool. So let's talk a little bit about just kind of in our closing thoughts, like as you kind of think over your career, like what would you say as a generalist, what are some of the biggest lessons learned that you've picked up over, over the span of your career, maybe one or two? Hmm. I think the first thing is how, how important empathy is in your work. And this is a thing I think that generalists are uniquely equipped to be good at because they're so curious. And that curiosity usually lends itself toward people as well. Not every, some generalists are just mechanical and interested in all the mechanics of the world. And we come in all shapes and sizes, but most of the generalists that I know just love being in a room with people and learning about them, whether they're an introvert or extrovert, even it's because it's not really about how do you, you know, is it energizing to be with them? It's more just interesting to, to understand who they are. And, you know, it's, um, one of the keys to our work is empathy. It's, it's understanding the people that we're dealing with and, and reckoning with the stuff that's happening underneath the surface. And so just being empathetic and practicing empathy and learning what empathy is and how to use it and use it well is, is really key, I think, to any generalist life. And it's also uh, just, as, just as you're starting that self-assessment we talked about earlier, you should probably check first and just see how empathetic you are. And I think you'll be surprised at how empathetic most generalists are by nature. The second thing I'm going to say is I'm just going to reiterate a thing I said earlier, that it's easy to be, have shiny object syndrome. And so if you're a generalist, you should lean hard into the fact that you're interested in the whole world around you. And then you should also build whatever processes and systems you need to be able to be successful. Because if you're not doing work, it's, it doesn't matter how, you know, maybe you're independently wealthy, then bless you, you know, <laughs> go explore the world. But most of us, most of us have to make a living. And I think also most of us feel the the power of accomplishing things with, with teams and with other people and seeing good happen in the world. Um, and, you know, that comes from bearing down and getting stuff done. And for many generalists, you need to, you need to build systems and practices to make that work and work well. What would you say is one system you've built in as a, as a generalist and with the shiny object syndrome, what's one practice that you've built into your own life that helps you to focus on bringing something through to the finish line? Yeah, that's a good question. L let me give you two. Uh, and they're not going to be surprised. I mean, these, these are, these are buzzwordy things that also just happen to be things that work for me. One of the things that I, that I do is I, is I do a thing called chunking. It's a terrible name for a wonderful thing. What that means is 
you know, I have a real tendency to, to want to multitask. So I want to like be looking at Twitter while I'm talking on this and checking this out and, you know, texting my wife and thinking about my kids and, you know, whatever thousand other things need to happen. And when you chunk, what you do is you say, you set aside on your calendar an hour or two that are just going to be dedicated to a single thing because there's a cost in switching between things. And this is one of the challenges that journalists have is that it's, it's nice to be interested in the world, but you, when you switch, you got to sort of, you know, uh, r- turn off the engine that was running before and turn on a new one. And that, that costs something. And so chunking matters. It just makes a big difference for me. Maybe it's not right for everyone, but just knowing that this two hours, I'm going to work on this one piece of a project and not think about it, do anything else. Along with that, I will often employ ridiculous things. Like uh, there's a, there's an app for Mac called self-control that can actually block websites for for a certain while. And I'll just, because I, because I have this nature to want to go like look at Twitter and look at all the interesting people I follow because I, I purposely follow so many interesting people. You know, when I'm in the middle of a project and chunking, I will very often just fire that sucker up and say, for two hours, I can't look at Twitter and any other website I might, might want to look at. I might want to check scores at ESPN or, you know, look at the news. I've gotten better at this, but I found myself actually when I first started using that, going and like doing the key commands that opened up Twitter and then going, oh, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And that made a huge difference for me. Does that work on your phone too? <laughs> oh gosh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? <laughs> if it did. Just delete it for two hours. <laughs> I have to just put my phone somewhere else. That's the only way that it works for me. But, so so chunking is one. And the other thing that has worked for me is there's an old book called Getting Things Done. Mm. It lays out a very clear system about how things work. And there's all kinds of principles in there. Like don't have too many inboxes. Don't, you know, mm. the stuff that's coming into you, that all the requests coming to into your life, they're coming in the mail and they're coming in email and they're coming in Slack or Teams or whatever tools you're using. You want to reduce the number of inboxes that you have so that they're not that many. And then he has, he also recommends separating the processing of that stuff into tasks from the actual doing of that stuff. Mm. And there's a lot more. I mean, it's it's a pretty thick book that's a pretty rich and rigid system. I don't always follow it completely, but the principles that are in it apply quite a bit to me. And, you know, silly stuff, not silly, simple stuff, let me say, like having a to-do list and, and being serious about it. Yeah. Those two things, chunking and just applying the principles of getting things done, if I'm not following it fully, have made a huge difference for me. That's so awesome. Thank you for that. I'm taking notes and going to look at all of those things today because I don't do any of that stuff. And that's why I feel like maybe sometimes I'm flying by the seat of my pants. So, Jerry, where can people follow you? Uh, You can follow me on Twitter. If you want to, you can follow me on Instagram. I cook a lot. I love cooking and I mostly post pictures of my food. So that's not really that interesting. Some people might find it interesting. (laughs) And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Well, thank you for your time today, Jeremy. It's my pleasure, Natalie. Thanks for having me. Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.